So Ray Hudson left Ian Sports. Bro, What's I'm telling you right now, Ray Hudson is coming on this show. I have tried several times and I have got yeah. never a solid no. I've gotten some suggested maybes, maybes that now that he's Maybe officially he knew departed. He was leave. He did know because I spoke to him about it like four months ago. Bro, I've been in talks with Ray Hudson for a long time. And bro, I'm telling you right now, Ray Hudson is going to record the intro for this show when I get him on. I'm going to have him. I swear to you and I swear to the people, I will have this show kicking off with Ray Hudson's magisterial <laughs> episode. Dude, that would, I, swear. I would not mind if we, if we quit right there. Like, that, obviously we won't, but I, I am would, working like if, if there's so hard to, to make sure that that happens. And I'll yeah. pay him royalties, anything he wants. I don't care. I am going to have Ray Hudson be on this, this show. zero income that this podcast generates. Doesn't matter. Hey, we're getting a sponsor. Like, <laughs> next episode, dude. I'm telling you. By Is time, it Ray Hudson? No. No, no, no. I mean an actual sponsor for this show. Okay. Where we're, gonna, we're going to provide a service to them. They're going to reward us with so much. Anyway, I'm telling you. It's in the works. It's in the works, too. Yeah. If you need an ad read that, that like, guilts people into paying and sponsoring the show, tell them I'm, a, I'm like a starving child in Africa. <laughs> and because I actually am hungry and I'm in Africa. <laughs> Dude. For only $1 a day, you can help me now. You can feed me now. Yeah. Every day. No, you know what we'll do? We'll, show, we'll post a picture on the Jersey Wall Instagram page of your yellow watermelon. And we'll be like, this is what Dude, food in Africa looks like. the thing I've ever seen in my life. That's the weirdest thing I've ever seen in my life. After Dude, we're done, if I'm going to bring saw it, that, When I saw that, I almost e-transferred you money. I was like, bro, go buy a real watermelon because this is, you can't be <laughs> eating this. Like, I felt genuinely we guilty. We don't have enough pigment. Yeah. No, it's not. We it, don't have enough pigment. That's it. No, and it's like, not okay. The, like, We're below the pigment level of poverty. Bro, if I open up a watermelon and it's like, do you remember when I ate that orange once and it was red? Yes, the blood and I'm orange. Like, what is this? And I was so grossed out. I was like, why is my orange red? It's called an orange, bro. And it's, it's red. It's a blood orange. I know that now, bro. Let me oh tell you, goodness. we've had some interesting You're discussions so about fruit, haven't food? we? Yeah, with so fruit. Silly. What about mangoes? Oh, don't even get me started on mangoes. <laughs> By the way, I've had so many mangoes since I've been here. Oh, I believe They're it. They're great. I had one for breakfast today. Along with my two eggs, I had obviously not simultaneously because that would be disgusting. Yeah, well, Leah and I made this uh, meal the other day, courtesy of this food bag company. They basically send you the ingredients and you cook up. Is it HelloFresh? I don't know because the the Pedrosos order from all these different ones. They got HelloFresh, Chef's Plate, I mean, and they ordered from several of them. them. No, we're nice. not. We're not going to plug for them, but a lot of them are actually really good. Um, this one was like a a shrimp poke bowl but it had mango in. Okay. it was actually very very good uh and really spicy and i didn't Doesn't mean to poke make it usually spicy. mean raw you had raw I don't shrimps know. no we did not have raw shrimps okay. uh, we cooked it i don't oh, know what poke might, means might be like i hate tuna or something i have no idea it could be all that kind of stuff i have no idea you might as well be singing the high school musical song <laughs> like the sharpay high school musical song right. Bro, I just remember having this mango and being like, okay, I'm going to use one of the techniques that Mina taught me because it had like diced mango. So I'm like, cool. Oh, yeah, yeah. Let me try this. So I cut it along where the, the pit is. Apparently mangoes have pits, whatever. Yeah. We've established the cheeks that. Out. That's fine. Yeah. yeah, got the cheeks out. Cut it the way you did, right? Lines, lines, then flip them inside out. And then, but what I didn't, what I failed to realize is when you did that, you ate it that way, right? You didn't oh, yeah. then cut them off. No, so I was trying to sever them like this. I'm like, this is so. This is the most <laughs> frustrating experience I've ever had. At in my that point, life. you could just scoop them out with a spoon. Yeah, like like an avocado. Like yeah, I I, I, I should I've done have. That with avocado. You know what the thing is? It yeah. wasn't as ripe as I would have liked it to be. It was still a little okay. little bit hard, and I was like, fuck. 
So the whole time that yeah. I'm trying to sever off each slice, I'm like, this <laughs> is the most like, and it's slipping because it's a freaking juicy ass mango. It's slipping all over my head. I'm just thinking, okay, if I had just done this the way I normally do it, I would have been done like 10 minutes yeah. ago. It took me way too long to slice this mango. You're like WWMD. What would Mina do? <laughs> but, yeah. And I looked at this mango and I thought, hmm. It's not Egyptian, but it'll have to do. And the meal was very, very good. But dude, I have to ask you about something. And I have to address this publicly because people deserve to know the truth. Okay? Okay. Were you ever going to tell me that the Sphinx is a hoax? The Sphinx is not a hoax. It's a hoax. You just had weird expectations the, set by the Discovery the Channel. The global the understanding of the, of the Sphinx no is that it's this think. massive monumental thing. Bro. The Sphinx it's is the size big. of a cat. It looks like I could buy it at oh a gift goodness. shop. I've never been so disappointed. I genuinely <laughs> thought, and criticize me all you want, anybody who's listening, I don't care. I genuinely believe the Sphinx in Egypt was the same size as at least the smallest pyramid. I know the pyramids are different sizes. That I know. The pyramids are huge, bro. I know they're huge. That's why I thought the Sphinx was so incredible. I'm like, fuck, the nose fell off. That must have been like 40,000 pounds. That could, I hope it didn't kill anybody. And then you send me a picture of the Sphinx next to the pyramid, and it's literally 20 feet tall. And I thought it was at least 100 feet tall. Yeah, it is. Around, 100 feet tall is the, like, feet tall. the tallest building in London. Yes. By the way. I know. That's insane. That's, that's how big I thought it was. I thought it was, like, I thought it was a skyscraper. That's like the freaking Ark of Noah. That's, that's insane. How is this? The Sphinx isn't one of the wonders, right? The pyramid is the wonder? No, the pyramid is, is the wonder. Right, the pyramids are the wonders. Because the Sphinx, yes. anybody, if I, I thank God that I found this out now. Because if I went to Egypt expecting to see this listen monumental up. Sphinx and I could square it up. It's pretty I'd, big. Okay, I was looking listen. at it in the eyes. Oh my God. <laughs> look at it dead in the eyes. Okay, so for people, knows for people to not know. So that I can actually tell them how like ridiculous you're being. I sent this picture to Nathan from like the top of a nine story building. And it obviously it's looking down at that point. And it's also like 300 meters away from it. So perspectives are everything. If you're taking a shot with a big ass camera lens that you're right there and you can do it well enough, it'll make it look like it's the size of the pyramid, which it's not. And I'm sorry that the people at the Discovery Channel lied to you and the people at the History Channel. But taking up at them, Egypt are I us. really don't. Yeah, exactly. The people at the I Egypt Tourist Center who are trying to make people come over there. I'm not even convinced. Big once you see it. I don't think the waters of Alexandria are that blue. Now, now my trust for <laughs> Egypt is now gone. I don't believe that it's as nice as, as you. It's, as it's not Alexandria. When I when I sent you, that wasn't Alexandria. That was like a two hour away from Alexandria. It's called the North Coast. No, no, no. But um, I mean the one that we looked I'm at. We had there brunch tomorrow. the one time. But Alexandria is kind of like because it's a more. Oh yeah, yeah. you no, know that's ones? not Alexandria. That's that's North Coast. All right, it's like two hours. West of where that is, of where Alexandria is. Alexandria is more, way more populated, and right. like obviously there's a lot more like fishing ships and stuff. It's a little greener. Yeah, but the more west you go, and the more like private beaches there are. Yeah, I get beautiful. it. Um, you've been working out, right? Both of us have been working out. You want to tell me how knocked out you are out that yeah, one? Just a little bit. Well, because I'm going on vacation soon, and by the way, I've been thinking about this. Yeah, not to Egypt. The, no, not to Egypt. But you know what? I think what we're going to do is we're going to have to record an episode and still release it that week. Because I was thinking of just putting up a gone fishing sign, like on that Monday, yeah. being like, we've gone fishing. We, we, you know, Jersey Wall's on vacation. But Jersey Wall doesn't take breaks. TJW <laughs> is your home for content FC, bro. Which means Absolutely. we're going to be providing you an episode that Monday. I'm just going to schedule it to go live that Monday. I don't know what it's going to be about yet, but we'll, we'll have to see. But we'll see. 
anyway, so we're going on vacation here and I'm thinking, all right, man, like I got to be, how can I get a beach bod in three weeks? <laughs> so I turned to on it and I hate on it. And I want to like, have you ever experienced this or is it just me? Cause Leah said, it's just me, which means that I have to now go and get myself checked out or something. I have never once in my entire life worked out and felt like, like I wasn't going to throw up every single time I've worked out my yeah, entire you might life need to check that out every time. I'm like, Oh, I feel like I'm going to vomit. doesn't matter if I eat before or after what doesn't matter what I eat before or after doesn't matter how long it's been since my last meal. They say like, Oh, work out. And then a few hours later, every single time I'm going to vomit. And maybe it's because I go to a full 10 every time I work out. I never work out like lazily. If I'm working out, I'm like trying to actively kill myself while working out because that's a good shred city, baby. Right. But I am absolutely dying. And then it deters me from wanting to work out again. So I'm like, if nothing else, forget the pain <laughs> and the soreness. It's like, dude, I'm going to barf all over my basement <laughs> if I continue this. No, I think you need to get that checked out because I've yeah. never had that experience. Well, I've had that in my life before after like a solid, like tennis, um, what's it called practice because there was also an hour of CrossFit before it right. followed by an hour and a half of tennis. And that, that was one time I was like, I'm never going to go this hard again in the, in the, in the CrossFit because I still need to hold a racket. Um, but no, never again. That was, mm. That's weird. It's weird that you get that constantly. Yeah. Like every single time. <clears throat> so DM well, the rock. Yeah. I, I, See what I don't know what to do. <laughs> you remember the episode of, of new girl where Nick Miller's like, yeah, we got a flasher. Like he's just very casual. He's like you've <laughs> yeah, he's never like, yeah. been flashed, really. Like no, we've never been. That's me. I'm Nick Miller in this situation, finding out like you never want to barf after or during your workout. So like no, I'm like literally always fine. And I'm like, so I'm the weird one. Damn. Oh, okay. Well, anyway, like bye. I'm exhausted and and afterwards after the workout, but I, I never have to throw up like that. Yeah, no, I'm like I'm like sick to my stomach. I'm like destroying my. Anyway, okay. Well, that's good to know, I guess. Cause uh, I'll be, I'll be sure to get that checked out, I guess. But it's like, well, now I have a medical deficiency. <laughs> yeah, bro. And I eat like some of everything. So I don't think I have any deficiencies of like nutrients or vitamins or minerals or anything. Cause I'm like, no, bro, like well, I, you may I have just have... like reflux or something. Yeah, exactly. Maybe I drink, maybe I, I eat a lot of fruit. Maybe it's just acidity that's like built up yeah. in my stomach. Maybe anyway, it doesn't matter. Dude. One thing I want to touch on before be we move on to what we're going to talk about today is some of the most exciting Olympic sports. Okay. Okay. And, you know, part of this wonderful world of the Olympics is it's like, you have to appreciate, and some people love, like our diehard Olympics fans, and some people don't really care. And I understand both sides. Um, I think what's important to recognize is that you're not paid to be an Olympian, right? Like you are mm -hmm. purely doing it out of the passion for love the of sport your that you're doing it. Yeah. Yeah. The love of the country. Some people are even taxed the on their medals. <clears throat> US. That's crazy. That's crazy. They're taxed on their medals. But I, I'm thinking of like, bro, think of like a runner from like Kenya who just like ran to the event from Kenya yep. all the way across the world. And then Continued went for running, this, took gold, went home. <laughs> yeah, exactly. One gold and then went home. Like no training facilities. Like, bro, I'm just running. You know, I, I yeah. respect that. And, and I respect every that. Jamaican sprinter ever. Dude. I, and that's, like for me, the summer Olympics are, are the hundred meter dash for men's and women's. Yeah. Jamaican people are so fast, bro. Like it's that and I the, can't um, believe. Me, that and the hundred meters, hundred meter uh, swimming. 
Yeah, hundred meter uh, swimming me, is pretty crazy like, too. Yeah, yeah, it's very very intense. But th- dude, this hundred meter di- and you know, like I've been working the Olympics, so I've had many many, um, you know, different sports that I've covered. One of which was one yeah. of the qualifiers for the men's hundred meter dash and the gold medal They're for the so women's hundred meter dash. But dude, they they hit like forty four kilometers an hour. Like I'm here thinking, okay, in a foot race between like Mbappe. Andre DeGrasse Tyson, who's Canadian, who finished third, and Alfonso Davies, who's winning, like, full length of the pitch. I don't think, okay, I don't and think I his thought, name yo, is, has think, a Tyson at the end. I think you just added that because of your love from, for Neil DeGrasse Tyson. I think it's just Andre DeGrasse. No, shut up. Did I say Andre <laughs> DeGrasse Tyson? That's so yeah. funny. No, I didn't even realize. That's hilarious, bro. I've read, I've read four Neil DeGrasse Andre Tyson DeGrasse books Tyson. this year. Andre DeGrasse Tyson is his Sorry, new name, Andre. according to Nathan. Andre DeGrasse Tyson. That's <laughs> so funny, That's dude. Hilarious. I hope it is. I, well, we're gonna call him that now. Andre DeGrasse Tyson. <laughs> he is uh, so fast. He hit 44 kilometers an hour, which I'm thinking still okay, finished second. It finished third, dude. I don't even third, know yeah. who got faster than him. If he is running, and I'm gonna take the third place guy because his top speed I know was 44 kilometers an hour. He's smoking like any footy player. And that's really discouraging to me because I thought Mbappe and Davies, like, What's I know they're not professional sprint- sprinters, but maybe over 40. Like at what point does a footy player win? I have to okay, wonder. Well, a cheetah is ridiculous. Okay. That's a cheetah. Is Bro, don't look up a cheetah. Cheetah's like 80. Right? I was like, yeah, <laughs> I was like, how fast is a cheetah and how quickly can he like, could you run away from try it? to outrun it? Yeah. Yeah. Hmm. Yeah, so um, it's it's hilarious. It's hilariously quick. And what a summer to be Italian, by the way, right? Like they won yeah. the dash, the Euros. That they won fast, the pole man. vaulting. Not the pole vaulting, the um, the jumping. Like the, the pole jumping. I don't know. I've only I've only been watching the events that I've been covering. One of which, two, yeah. two of the most exciting sports in the world, by the way, that people don't know because they're not, I don't know if they're professional sports, but they're not professional sports that you can watch with any ease, are table tennis and badminton. Dude, these are so intense. These are thrilling. They're so intense. Like badminton. And you remember from gym class, badminton is so much fun. Like (laughs) badminton used to be my favorite sport, even more so than footy to play in in gym class. Cause it's, it's, it's so much fun. Cause it's It's just smashing something that, yeah. Yeah. You're just destroying it, but you're trying to just be tricky with it. Uh, And table tennis is when you watch them in a set, like when they're actually going, the doubles is insane. it's, It's incredible doubles for, for badminton as well. But Fun fact, and this will be the segue to what we're going to talk about today. The worst sport at the Olympics. You know what what is that? It's fencing. Enlighten me. Fencing. Fencing's the most boring, stupid sport in the entire world. And if you are a fencer... It was made by French elitists, so... Dude, have you... Like, imagine you have a sport where all you do is lunge. (laughs) That's that's the entire premise of the sport. I've never been so bored. I watched it for seven consecutive hours. <laughs> seven hours. I couldn't believe. And I would That's think, so I would think that this sport would favor like John Jones or Kevin Durant, like somebody who's really no. long. I would think no. that because if you have this, you need to be nimble, stab. But if you think about this, if we're both going for a lunge at the same time, and my arm length is twice the length of your arm, I don't care how nimble you are, right? Because it's just so no, but long. it's like because it's, it's like a narrow track. A punch. It's a narrow track. It's like right? reaching a punch. Like you can just yeah. slip and weave that. that Apparently, shit and then just, which yeah. is exhausting. So I would think that somebody like, like, like that love that build would win. So a country like Somalia, for like instance, a Tyson Fury. 
No, not yeah. Well, Tyson, he's, massive. he's he's massive. He's not so much as a schlong as like a Kevin Durant. I want somebody with like Slenderman arms, like Manute Bull yeah. or Bull Bull. I want somebody with like long, long, long arms. Japan won. Japan uh, okay. and just they're a not ninja. Tall. Yeah, they're just like just a ninja. Fully yeah. like the the fast twitch muscle fibers were were carrying them to beat Russia, who isn't even allowed to represent their own flag. Anyway, I digress. What were you gonna say about it? I was gonna say there's a quick little Mina anecdote. Um, I used to do athletics when I was a kid um, and swimming. And in my athletics, I tried to go into triathlon just to train. And, and it looked interesting because it was like there were multiple different uh, areas that you can do. And fencing is obviously one of them. I lost it for three, three tries. Like you just kept getting stabbed. You're like, like okay, three practices. No, three practices. Don't even like, I was like, no, I just started getting bored. I was, I was doing it with my friends. I was poking them in the side while we were like practicing yeah. the form. I saw my foil, my poor parents that just literally had to buy the foil and, and only use their three times. Right. I was like, no, I'm never going to, I'm never going to do this again. Let me go back to swimming seemed interesting after that. I was like, no, let, let me go back to swimming and, uh, and my football. And then I discovered tennis and I was like, okay, well I have my two sports. There you go. Yeah. And that's, that's way more fun at that point. Anyway, uh, there's no one to bring up fencing to close us out is because tennis is boring and so are the club we're going to talk about today but we're going to make them interesting welcome to tjw Did you mean to say tennis is boring or fencing is boring fencing tennis is awesome i was like Except how are you gonna like disrespect tennis no, bro. like that no i i would never i would okay. never do that tjw 102 <laughs> episode number 102 of the jersey wall podcast i am your host mr nathan santos that is brethren fc mina golly and today, guys, we got another rebuild on our hands. Today, we rebuild Tottenham Hotspur. But Nathan, I thought you hated Tottenham Hotspur. I do. But I'm a we person do. of tremendous integrity. And so I'm going to do it anyway. We and also know that they will never do this. So it's like, it doesn't matter. <laughs> exactly. It doesn't matter. I'm just giving them the blueprint. What they do is up to them at that point. Now, what I did was I, I'll share my version of the team with Kane afterwards. But I've, I think we've both done our rebuild without Harry Kane, right? Yeah. That's the whole point of rebuilding this squad is like, if you were to get over, well over 100 mil for Harry Kane, what would the team look like? How could they more effectively spend the money this time to actually have them do something than they did with the bail money all those years ago, right? Because like almost none of those transfers worked out. I've pitched a team that here true. that I think will be very effective for Tottenham. And I don't know if it's, well, I don't think it is Premier League caliber because I think Tottenham have to, I mean, Premier League champion caliber, right? Okay. I think what Spurs need is to like break this narrative of being this like laughingstock non-trophy club and start to genuinely start to make an impact because I'm sure you were experiencing this when you pitched your rebuild too. There's a certain caliber of player that you can't bring to Tottenham, right? Even in a fantasy yep. rebuild, it's just never, ever, ever going to happen, right? There comes Absolutely. to a point where players are just too elite to look at Tottenham and consider them seriously. Right. Even if it's somebody who may have fallen out with like a massive club and you think, oh, maybe they could go to Tottenham, like that'd be a good spot for them. I didn't pitch it that way. I pitched it more as a step up from the clubs that these players are at, and Spurs would be a, a gradual next step, but not a final destination for most of them. Because I think that if you're gonna take somebody like like a hypothetical, you can't pitch a world class player to Tottenham, right? In if in a whole war another world here, in a different scenario. If Harry Kane never played for Tottenham and he was the elite player that he is now, you can never pitch him to go to Tottenham because why would Harry Kane ever want to go to Tottenham at that point, right? They're not, they're yeah. not on that level. 
So you might look at the squad and think, well, you know, some of these players are great, but some of them are, are really not. Yeah, I know. <laughs> we're, yeah. we're trying to make them better steadily to then take them to a point where they can attract better players who might want to go to Tottenham because they know that it will be a place that will one day compete. But as of right now, this is I very kind of much experienced a that too. Yeah. I actually, in, in my mind, I wanted, and I kind of, you and I have a rule that we don't really suggest players above 32 for example for mm-hmm. rebuilds and yeah. i was going to suggest that they should go and sign jerome boating who kind of arguably wants or sorry um not arguably room like rumors say that he wants out of uh Bayern munich and, and he won't sign his contract right i think he's still too big for tottenham to be honest mm. i think even though he's 36 i don't think he even wants to go for a year to tottenham and i was going to suggest it as sort of the tiago silva signing for them like right. kelsey did last summer yeah to solidify their defense and i i just think that he would still disagree i think chelsea are way way far ahead of what tottenham can do yeah i i understand that argument um yeah it just seems like it's a little bit far-fetched for for him to want to go there um and so exactly. what we're going to do here is we're going to pitch players who we think would say yes to this move, right? Like it would be a, a you know a next step in their career. Uh, and what we've done obviously is we have to keep in mind the signings that Tottenham have already made, right? So obviously, mm-hmm. you know, if Tottenham just signed um, Golini, you know, Golini from from Atalanta, I'm not going to pitch a different goalie for them to go and get because they just got right. uh, they just got Golini. Now, interestingly, if we had done this rebuild a few weeks ago, I wouldn't have suggested Golini. And I'll say this: <laughs> I, I would have said actually. Um, What's the dude's name? He's uh, hold on, I'm gonna find him right now. The, what is he playing? The keeper for Leeds, whose name is just escaping me right now. Oh, um, okay. Messlier. Um, Musiala. No, Mes- Messlier. 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 Yeah, he's from, 14 he's years old. Yeah, he's very, <laughs> very young, but he's also very, very good. And it seems like the next step. Um, he's got such a heavy face, man. Every time I see him he concede, does. I'm like, oh my god. Yeah, he really I'm so does. sorry. Yeah, he's only 20, <laughs> which for a goalie is is very, very, very young. But um, I would have actually pitched him to. I think he's going to be the natural successor to Loris for the France team. Yeah, and so it just kind of makes sense to me that he would succeed Loris at club level too. It just seemed natural. But they went for Galini, who actually played for United at one point. Um, Oh, did he? I didn't even know. Yeah, that. he was. Well, so I don't one know of if he ever own? played. I don't know if he ever played, but uh, he was there. He's one of our own. Yeah, bro. He's nice. one of your own. That's, that's your boy. <laughs> um, and we have him in that. Now, before we continue with, with this rebuild, I just want to say do you remember the day that Nuno Espirito Santo said, I'm leaving Wolves? What, do you remember what I said? Yes. You tweeted, North London, go, go get him, or something along the lines of That's exactly what I said. At North London, go get him. And I respect Arsenal for I think it just makes so much sense. Arteta because I see what they're trying to do there. It doesn't really make sense to continue with manager shuffle. It's like, dude, pick a guy, stick with them for a few years, and see what he can do because no club is going to bring you instant. No manager is going to bring you instant instant success. I had pitched Nuno Espirito Santos to a couple Unless of different Thomas places. <laughs> right. Yeah. Well, I mean, yeah. even he would have to really work miracles to get the most out of Arsenal to, <laughs> to have them yeah, compete exactly. right away. But, um, Basically, what happened with Nuno Espirito Santo here was I had suggested him to a couple of different places, including Inter, right? I thought, okay, once Conte leaves, at least the system is similar. Um, similar. And yeah. people were critical of, of, of Santo. They said, well, you know, he's, he's a defensive manager and, and look at what he, and, you know, and with Wolves, like they're not like free-flowing or expansive. They're just kind of, you know, 
they do what they do and and it's good enough to get them like seventh or eighth. And I'm like, well, hold on, guys. Look at what Wolves were when he inherited the squad versus what he left it as. This is a perfect project manager. If there's nothing else that you can say about him, he knows how to run a project, right? He inherited a squad, had them absolutely dominate the championship, come to the Premier League, and never, ever, ever look at all threatened. Out of place. Always looked like they were going to be at least a mid-table side. And they came up and got Europa League like that. Like, they were a damn good side. And talk about draw. He brought the youngest captain in the history of the Champions League, Ruben Neves, to a championship side and had them and, and brought them up. Then when he got there, he brought in Moutinho. He brought in pretty much all of Portugal, right, as, every, as a every farm Portuguese team. Player. And the team ended up being very, very good, in my opinion. All right? They're so, very effective. They're if very, very else, effective. They're very effective. Right. Considering the level of talent that they have there and what they were able to achieve, I think it's a testament to what Nuno Espirito Santo can do. I also think he was very harshly criticized this season because um, Raul Jimenez was out for most of the season. Yeah, I think and he's. I think that Wolves was a big, a big miss. I agree. Yep. Exactly. Like it, Wolves could have been in a like two two spots higher if they had Jimenez for the entire season. Oh, for sure. And it's least. just good to see him come back to to playing. I think that'll be a massive help for them next season. But it's not like uh, Nuno Espirito Santo can do anything about that. Right, and Wolves were so dependent on, on that striker, on that on that leader up top, and yeah. they brought in Fabio Silva for a tremendous price tag, but he was not ready to go. Right, this was a young player, no, but even Poden stepped up. From, right, but they were hoping that um, that that Silva would learn from from Jimenez. Jimenez and and kind of slowly integrate him and take the reins. And then this dude went from that to having to like immediately lead the line. He's like, listen, guys, like, yeah. I, I'm I don't know if I'm not, I'm not ready for this. <laughs> I'm not ready for this just yet. But overall, I have to say, I really, really like the idea. I'm glad that Tottenham went out and got him. And, you know, you might think that he's not the manager to to take Tottenham to an elite level. I think this Apparently, is a guy Daniel who... Levy didn't even think that. I mean, it's not like he was their first choice. Yeah, I... Well, Jesus Christ. Like, they're lucky that they ended up with him. They were because, by, I think, like eight or nine managers. That's crazy. And yeah, so let's talk about that before we even get into the rebuild. Let's talk, because I forgot that that happened. There was like three or four different falling outs with, with potential contenders uh, that basically after discussing with Daniel Levy said, no, I don't want to take over this club. And <laughs> to me, the moment that it fell through with Antonio Conte, it said to me, Tottenham are not serious about trying to become They're not serious. They're not serious no. about trying to become perennial contenders. They're n- they don't want that. Because no, they fell out with Ten Hag, they fell out with uh, with Conte and they fell out with um Allegri. Right. And to me Conte was the biggest one because Conte yeah. is is a world-class manager, able to get a hell of a lot out of his side. Okay? And the fact that they were linked with him I was like there's no way because they're not going to they're not going to invest in the Conte project and immediately that, that was they right, did. right? They were like, no, yeah. no, we just, we can't. And so I think that tells you everything you need to know about how serious Tottenham are about trying to become serious contenders. Because it, it's like if they were linked with Pep Guardiola and Pep's like, cool, yeah, I'll come, but here's what I need you guys to do. And they said, mm, better not. It's like, what do you mean? No. Look at what this dude's been able to do. You haven't won a trophy in like fucking 50 years. You've won one in, in, <laughs> in that time frame, right? Like now you have a serial winner who can come in and always makes an instant impact on a squad and gets them going, but he needs you to invest in his project. And they're like, yeah, not worth it. It's not worth it. It's not winning. No. Isn't worth. Okay. I saw a tweet. I saw a tweet that, um, that actually summed it up perfectly. It's like 
Daniel Levy will not pay 50 million for a player and will just buy three worst players at 20 million each and hope it works. Yeah, and hope it works. And that's exactly what they do. Like, yeah. look at how many players they signed since Gareth Bale left. And then they also re-signed Gareth Bale and he left again and they still haven't filled out that, that uh, right wing spot. Yeah. And so, and they have no shortage of wingers. They're just not the guy who ha- who they've hoped that, that it would be. But that's kind of what they've done is they just hoped that it's going to be the guy for them. Uh, and it yeah. and it hasn't been and and honestly like under Pochettino they had a terrific spell right he he did a great job over a few years to bring them to what they were and then once they once they peaked it was like all right like the squad was gashed it needed to be refreshed right and then to bring yeah. in Mourinho who they saw as a successful way maybe that's why they didn't go for Conte because they were like no look at what happened with Mourinho like it didn't end up working out. The fact of the matter is, I think if you're Tottenham, you have to do everything you can to try to make yourself as serious as possible. And and falling out with several managers who the footy community would consider elite, only to end up with one who I think is very, very good, but definitely not held in the same regard globally yes, yes. as, you know, Ten Hag or, or Allegri or Conte. I think Nuno was pretty much the best that they could hope for, and they got him. And so what we're going to do today is, you know, we're going to pitch under... Nuno Espirito Santo and taking into account you know his system and the, and what he's done at Wolves what would his squad look like and maybe you know he he's going to bring in some players some Portuguese players who we haven't heard of and he's going to make them very very good and I'm sure that the Portuguese Tottenham fans <laughs> I'm sure that's on the agenda that. right I'm but sure that's on the agenda in terms of right now what is the best hope for Tottenham as far as we can see well let's take care of it for you Mr. Mr. Nuno Espirito Santos we got this buddy so uh, you want to start us off with our goalie, right? We said our goalie. I think, yeah, I think it's Galini. Yeah, they brought. I, in I think it's an astute signing. It's not something that I would have done. It's not something that I actually would have thought of. Right. But I mean, he's at a good age. He's been starting for Atalanta. I don't think that's uh, that they can expect him to have an impact straight away. I think they're actually still might start with Loris and then you know bring him in a little bit more, uh, and, and it's one for the future. Yeah, I don't know, to be honest. I think Lloris is at a spot where I don't want to say he's done because he's their captain and and he's still very good. And his reflexes haven't disappointed. His reflexes are he's still clutch, almost as good as ever, right? But he's not especially clutch. And now they brought in a dude who has, you know, listen, and it seems like they're rating Atalanta because they respect the core of what makes Atalanta able to you know, to do what they can do offensively, which is by bringing in, yeah. and we'll get to the defender in a second, but their shot stopper, right? Golini yeah, exactly. last season had nine clean sheets on 25 starts, right? That's not bad. And quite frankly, Pretty average. Yeah. he's tall, right? So, which is something that Loris is not. So that's a massive <laughs> kind of step in, in a different direction here. Um, I don't know if, I don't know if I can say that he's not going to to come and make an impact right away because I think if he become, if he takes over the number one shirt, you know, I'm fine with that. I, I actually don't think that's a problem. Um, I think I it's think, about uh, time. Most Tottenham fans would disagree with that. To be honest, I think they they kind of see that it's it's time for Loris to take a step back. So how about this scenario? If Kane leaves, I don't think Loris also gets dropped because that those are okay. the two captains, right? So I think it'll depend. Yeah. If Kane ends up staying, then this whole rebuild is scrapped because they they're not gonna they're not gonna be able to finance the rebuild. Uh, but at which point, then maybe they don't need Loris because they ha- they'll already have you know leaders throughout the squad and Kane who will just inherit the sole you know captaincy of of the club. Mm-hmm. 
Um, so I guess what we should do, you know, keeper doesn't affect formation, but what formation are you going to, are you pitching your rebuild in? It's Nuno Santos, babe. It's uh it's a three, four, three or nothing. I, I have that too. For me, three, four, one, two, three, four, one, two. <laughs> I and, actually uh, also did a three, four, one, two. Yeah. I just, yeah, it's exactly it. And and I have a version of the squad. Maybe I can read it out when we finish the rebuild uh, in a three, in a four, three, three, because wolves used that sometimes but we know Nuno Espirito Santo is predicated on a back three and 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 unleashing wingbacks and and I'm yeah. here for it so let's see it. I Nuno, have what a, you got? two front threes I kind of did a one two and then a and another one where it's an actual front three because they do also have some some good squad players for that role so okay. we'll yeah. touch on that when we get to the front yeah three. let's start let's touch on that when we get to it so Galini and that we both have um then your back three you want to read it out for me who's your your left-sided center back I've got I've got um I think you might have to correct me on this one for a little bit because I don't actually watch Tottenham a lot. Doherty, is he left more, left more or on the right more? In the back he three? is a right wing back. Okay. All right. So didn't he used to play um, a center back for, uh, for Nuno at Wolves in a back three? Doherty? Never, bro. Doherty was a right back and then a right, right wing well, back. I'm going to stick with that. Never mind. So I'm going to put him in the, in the right center back spot. And then I have Christian Romero. And I have the Belgian Denaer because, I mean, it's it's kind of for me that's kind of what I talked about. It's not really in Tottenham's stratosphere to go out and sign some of the top center backs out there. Like Chelsea's trying to sign Kounde right now, and and Pau Torres is is also seemingly available. I don't think Tottenham can afford those players. I don't think they can mm. they can give them what those what they want. Like Pau Torres and and Kounde are some, are some of the most wanted center backs in the world. Um, they seemingly have. Peaked Christian Romero's interest, who's also at Atalanta. Yeah, that transfer, but I think they're going to have to likely. Pay. Yeah, well, and yeah. I think that that one's going to happen. That one I could see. That that seems feasible to me. Um, Doherty's mm-hmm. not going to play right center back, but he'll be he'll be. I'm, I mean, just for integrity reasons, I'm going to keep him there because I had him there, and I don't want to change it in last minute. Now that I okay. have this newfound information, they have so. they have some other defenders who who might be able yeah to they have in there. like and you can change exactly. when I get there. You can change when I get there. But basically, my back three from left to right reads um sven botman who we talked about last week on the Lille blow up right oh Remember my we said, goodness this dude, i had him in mind for the spurs rebuild why didn't i put him okay oh never mind Just, uh, you know you we said it. this last week it was a spoiler sven botman is is a caliber player who the will i think be an elite superstar one day but in the meantime yeah, i, I should have paid could be attention to last monday's replacement mina. yeah come on mina yeah. you got smh sven botman, mina is not yeah. For those who anyway. might not remember, check out uh, the the little blow up episode if you haven't seen it yet. Sven Botman, I predicted him to be eventually one of the elite defenders in world football. I think he'll get there. Yeah. And have, with Tottenham now losing Alderweireld this season as well, I think they're looking for that kind of tall, strong, left footed, ball playing center back. And I think Botman yeah. can be that. Um, I don't think Botman is at his full potential yet. And quite frankly, I think that his full potential, if it does resemble that of Toby Alderweireld. Well, that's fine. <laughs> you know, like he's still young, and Toby Alderweireld was a hell of a player on his day. I just think one Botman of the most is already consistent center backs in Premier League for like five years running. Exactly, and so I think that Sven Botman will be the guy, uh, or uh, a guy down the line. Um, and right now, if he wants to come in and Tottenham's the next step for his club, and he stays there for for four years, then he moves on as a 26, 27 year old to an elite club. Well, that's yeah. fine too, right? 
Uh, and the thing is, what we have to remember is that Vertonghen and Alderweireld were a hell of a duo, right? Who probably deserved oh, better than Tottenham. Country. Right? They probably deserve better than Tottenham as well. And and they ended up staying there. So if Sven Botman becomes like an elite, you know, defender, but wants to pledge his allegiance to Tottenham, dude, then then that's fine too. Because while I don't see him right now as being the guy, I see him being eventually the guy. And I think he has all the skills in the world to get there and all the attributes that that Spurs need in a defender for a back three. Absolutely. And they should, might as well just sign him up now before everyone else is interested in him and they don't have that pull yet. Yeah, exactly. The other ones that I have here, uh, I have Romero as well. Romero, they've been linked with. Romero always for Atalanta will play in the center of a back three. Yeah, I have him in my center as well. Which is, and I, and I don't want to take him out of there if that's where you know he is. That's his spot. The only issue I have is that this forces me to play Eric Dyer on the right side of a back three. <laughs> and Eric Dyer is so slow that I don't know if I want to put him there. Um, you know, I think that I would ideally like Dyer to be in a middle, and I'm not a huge Eric Dyer fan as a center back anyway. I just think that even when you pitch a rebuild, you need to have some amount of familiar faces in the squad. And Eric Dyer, if nothing else, has been one of Tottenham's leaders in the past few years. And so if you want to say, hey, put Davidson Sanchez there, because you know he is athletic and and strong and he can more you know, used to that role yeah he can probably be a little bit better in a back three uh even though he makes probably a little bit more mistakes i would personally rather take more of a captain figure especially considering of my defender and my back three here three out of four are, are new faces right so i think i think dyer for that reason has to keep his spot there um i'm actually a little bit hesitant just like you are about about dyer on on the right hand side I do understand how he's a better fit in general than Bevinson Sanchez. I just think for this role specifically, I would go with Sanchez. But I mean, yeah. I forgot about Sven Botman from last week anyway. So if we were playing FIFA, I wouldn't have Eric Dyer here because I just don't think that he because you get murdered down that right. <laughs> yeah, I don't think he embodies the characteristic that I'd want for a right center back in a back three. For that, I would prefer the athleticism of David Sanchez. But for, like I said, for the reasons that I laid out, I think it's too important to lose a, a vocal figure like that among a back three when the other two center backs and your keeper are all new to this team. I think it's important to keep you know yeah. more of a captain figure. I, I can understand that. And um, that's kind of why I also kept room for either Doherty or, or David Sanchez or whoever comes in instead of, you know, that mistake. But... Um, I just can't believe I missed it. I forgot about how I said I'm going to have spent Sven Botman in there. I can't believe it either. You can That's hear it in my voice. I'm actually yeah. kind of disappointed in You're myself. Gutted. <laughs> You're gutted. I can see it in your face. Like, oh, no. Um, but we can move on to from the back three here because we both have a three, four, three variation system uh, at left wing back. Uh, I've kept Reggio. I Me think too. there's no point. Yeah, there's no point in in trying to go out and buy another one. I think he's he's pretty good. Two seasons ago, he was the best left back in La Liga. I mean, wins on and off the pitch. So, <laughs> um, dude, no kidding. And we won't say anything more on that note. But Jesus, no. Louise, if you know, you know. If, if you, you know, know, you know. Oh my God, lucky you, uh, Sergio. Who do you Reguilon, have at left wing back? I agree with you. I think Reggion is. Yeah. I really like when you have a, a flamboyant fullback. And then you can liberate them by pushing them to left wing back or to, to wing back, right? I think in in Nuno's system, what we see is, you know, when they're defending, it's a back five, right? And so they can tuck in. And yeah. I don't think Reggion's a stranger to that. 
Um, I just think that he would really relish the opportunity to just blast forward and provide the width. And I think that he can provide and and learn under Nuno to be, you know, Nuno is a super attack heavy on the right, and maybe he still will be. So maybe this kind of shuffles into a back four at times when they're when they're attacking down one flank. But I think Region can be sending in good crosses or can cut inside if if a winger drifts out. And and I like that about him. And I kind of want to see what Region's able to do in England in kind of a system where he can be a wing back because I don't think he always had yeah. that opportunity. And he's only been here in a, for a year, right? Like he's only exactly. been at Spurs for a year. And he's so still he young. He's like, only what, like 23, 24? Yeah. He's a young dude. I, like patience, patience pays off with a lot of those players that you bring from abroad. Like, exactly. I mean, Patrice Evra took a year or at least right. six months. So um, you might, you might as well give him that benefit of the doubt. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I agree with you. Um, and now to cover him, who you got? Who's your, your duo? You want to give me your duo? My duo is, are two people that they already have. So again, three of that four is are people that they already have. So it's not changing it too much. Um, I've got Hoybier and Los Elso. I think as a two, um, I know Los Elso might be a little bit more forward and might, might like to play a little bit more forward over role. But I just think from what I've seen of him so far for Spurs and for Argentina, I think he can work in a two as kind of like a Jorginho Kovacic kind of midfield. And Hoybier just cleans up everything. So I think Los Elso is disciplined enough to stay when he needs to stay and and venture forward when he has the capability of doing that, when he when the pressure is a little bit off. Um, and yeah, same same reasons, but give him give him time to to adapt. And I think in a system, he could be a very effective player for Nuno. I don't dislike um, Lacelso at all. Uh, I think that okay. him and Ndombele are were brought in as very very smart signings. Um, but I, when we're doing the rebuild here, what I found myself doing was Tottenham squad actually isn't the worst in the world, right? They no, have they good. have some problems with mentality, but they have some good talent in there that should they be harnessed correctly could could hit different heights. Um, but that being said, if you're going to sell Harry Kane, I think you have to make an impact throughout the squad, which means bringing in better players now to contend, or at least try right. to, you know, make up for the Get fact that you just lost, one. that you just lost, you know, one of the best strikers in world football. Um, I kept Hoybier. I agree with you. I think Hoybier is ascending very, very well and is becoming an absolute rock in the middle of the pitch. And I think they need that, especially if they're going to unleash, um, full ba- or, or wingbacks rather. But who I have next to him, and you know I love a tandem duopoly here, right? You know I love this right. tandem bike of complementary attributes. And and at this, you know, right center mid spot, I don't have LaCelso. I have him on the bench. I, I don't even have Ndombele. And I don't love not having Ndombele because I really, really like Ndombele. And we can talk about him a little bit more uh, it, when you hear about another player who I brought in. But I've actually brought in to pair Hoybier with, uh, with Pjanic. I think Miralem Pjanic would be, and I don't, you know, I don't love pitching players over 30 in rebuilds, but I think he still has a lot to offer because I think the last two seasons don't really count for him. He hasn't really played. No, Barcelona need to get him off the books as well, so. Yeah, and, you know, so, you know, from Juve, he went and he went to Barca and Barca need to get rid of him. I I think that he's only like 31 now. I think that this is the type of player who, even if he can only give you three years, they will be a very, very good three years because what he's going to do, he won't lose his ability to set tone and to dictate pace. No, and it's, it's a to constant seven out of ten. Pieces. Right. 
if not better, right? Because from set pieces, he's he hasn't had the chance to take. He didn't have the chance to take him at Juve when Ronaldo stepped in, and the only other player who's taking him off set pieces is Messi, right? Um, but I think because and I didn't love when when um, Wolves brought in Moutinho, right? You remember I was like Moutinho's a thousand years yeah. old. Why the hell are they bringing him in? And I was immediately proven wrong because he still had a lot to offer. Very effective. Which is why I don't want to write off Pjanic just yet just because he hasn't been able to play as much for Barca because it's in a position for Barca where they really never needed him to begin with, right? Between... No, they... Between I, saw, Busquets I actually and saw a really Young, interesting thread tell me. That, um, that was like, this is a purely financial move. Like, for nothing else. This is like, both clubs need to clear out some some dead wood. Yeah. And they need, because of how transfer fees are paid, they need to take the wage bill and the um, and the payments off a little bit. And would that move allow them to kind of move them forward into the future, into installments. Right. And it was purely financial. But sorry, I caught you off. Well, I'm glad that it that they did that. Like whatever had to help either club survive. But I think Tottenham could afford it. I don't think that he would cost very much. I think you could get him for like... Like Barca were talking about trying to terminate his contract by mutual consent. And, and he was like, no, because I still want to get paid the rest of my contract. Sue them. Yeah. Which, it, which means that Tottenham could realistically come in and be like, yo, take it or leave it. Here's 10 mil. And they would be like, okay, because we need to get him off the wage bill. And mm-hmm. I think if Spurs do that, it's a, very, it's a very good player for a very low cost who could kind of replace what Christian Eriksen was to this team where he was, you know, taking the game by the, you know, by the throat and making sure he's dictating what's going on. Now, obviously, Pjanic isn't going to carry as much energy uh, as Eriksen did. But in terms of set pieces and, and impact of pace of the game, I think Pjanic can offer a lot. He will keep the game ticking. I think I think he's he's got so much experience from playing in the Champions League, uh, right. you know, at Juve and, and what, whatnot. I think he's got the, a great level of experience to adapt and, and play that type of, you know, metronome type of midfield play yep. mm-hmm. uh, constantly, week in, week out. And I think they I need that. I agree, 100%. Um, so Do you we'll think he's about- gone stale, though? I don't see you, you could probably make an argument that that you know he will have a lack of match fitness because he hasn't played very many matches in the past few years but I actually have total faith in in him coming into the squad because I think I don't think that. he I don't yeah. think he's ready to write off his career. I think he wants no. to kind of prove that he's not finished yet and even if it's only for two seasons, two or three seasons, I think that he could really have an impact and, and kind of set Tottenham on a proper course here yeah. where, you know, even if I'm here for a, for a good, not a long time, right? Like come <laughs> in and be that figure for them. Uh, and then really like, if, even if he can't play every game because he is, you know, he's over 30 and he's not known as like an energizer guy, then you still have some pretty good midfield options off the bench, right? Harry Winks kind of plays, he's nowhere near as good as Panish, but he plays a similar style. He tries to anyway, right? LaCelso is more of a dribbler and Domble is more of a dribbler, but, you know, those are still proper quality midfielders who can no. play in the And they've got Premier League experience. Exactly. Yeah. Um, and so that'll that's kind of it for my midfield duo. Now at right wing back, I'm just going to go first here because you already said his name. I have Doherty here. We've seen what Doherty can do under Nuno Espirito Santos, and he was unbelievable. And he right. ended up earning a very, very cheap move to Tottenham, uh, which probably he could have gone for a little more, but it was right at the start of COVID where I think you know, everybody was kind of very, very afraid. And Tottenham were like, no, nah, we got money and this will be the best time to buy. And so they had a pretty decent window. Um, Doherty, I'm very excited to see him play under Nuno Espirito Santos again. And I don't have a whole lot to offer 
aside from that because we've already seen it. I don't have to play a hypothetical game here. We've seen this player under this yeah. manager before, and he was very, very good. He gets so we forward, know what you can do. He drifts inside. He doesn't he's not necessarily always going for overlaps, but he's looking to peel inwards and finish. And I think the season that he played under him, like his best season, he had like almost ten goal involvements. Like that's that's insane. Yeah, he also likes to get involved with the with the link up play, and I think that's that might be something that can help Pjanic slash Hoiberg just to move the ball up a little bit more. Exactly. Because yeah. even though they are a flat two, he can actually get involved in that. Absolutely. Um, who do you have? Um, I made a signing. I, I brought Ooh. Denzel Dumfries. I was like, nice. Go, That's my boy. Go do, yes. go do it. I like it. They need, they need to refresh that team. He's 25 years old. He just had a magnificent Euros. And it obviously that's going to cost you a little bit more. And, and Daniel Levy's stingy. We all know that. But because he had a, a great Euros, go get him while he's on a high. He's at PSV. If he moves now to, to Leon or a Barcelona or... Well, Everton are also linked. Need a right back. Everton yeah. are also linked. You're not going to be able to get him for however much you're going to be able to get him out of PSV for. Yeah. I think Agreed. smaller smaller clubs have been hit really hard by COVID. And even though Spurs have been hit hard, they, they would not have been hit as hard as, as PSV would have. Go get him, refresh the squad, and like bolster up your attack. And I think he is someone who's going to be able to get that done. I love that shot. I think he would be fantastic as a wingback in the you know, Spirito Santo system. Yeah. Um, the only thing is, if you're going to do this, you definitely can't have Doherty playing as a right center back. No. And, yeah. and, that's and the I'll thing. give you it's a like pass if, here to change that one. Yeah. Because uh, because if you're going to have I, you know Dumfries there. I'm going to hold my hands up. Like, I made a mistake in that yeah. back three. I'm not going to change it. They have enough of a squad to be able to change that. Yeah. Um, and he themselves. doesn't have to play. Like, you could just put in somebody No, else. exactly. Yeah. Yeah. So if they want to put in like a Davinson Sanchez instead, or even an Eric Dyer and move someone to the right hand side, like we said, or with with your um, back three, yeah, they can do that. I'm just I'm just gonna keep it the same, just so so that I don't you know like uh, change my team up in the last minute for the sake of integrity. All right, fair enough. Yeah. Um, now we get to kind of move on to the fun part, which is the attacking Absolutely. part, which is what we all love about it so much. Now you said you have kind of one variation of the one two and then a variation of a three i do too yeah so let's do our one two system first and then we can do our three okay did you make a signing obviously you would have had to yes. as a striker if i mean you're uh, selling harry kane uh, yeah okay i made a couple all right so do we want to stay going left to right or what else do we want to no do? so start with uh your cam the one and then, two and, yeah okay. and then i'll do my cam and then we can both do our strikers and then we'll my cam do... would be yeah my cam would be in dombele or in Don Blay, however yeah. you want to say it. And I, I kept him. I I'm, I, I believe in him I in know. this in this role. I and do too. and I, I can already hear your reasons for replacing him or no, someone else. It's not even that, bro. I love Ndombele. And it was so hard yeah. for me to make this switch and to demote Ndombele to So is bench. it system over player for you? A little. It's it's manager over player. It's it's such a weird spot. Listen, mm. let, we'll talk about Ndombele together. Okay, let me give you mine so that I'm not I'm not beating around the bush here. I okay. went out and got Pedro Gonzalez from Sporting, who okay. was the Liga Noche top scorer. Okay. Yeah. Now, he is Bruno 2.0. Extremely <laughs> versatile. Yeah, it's kind of. He's extremely versatile. He can play literally on either side of midfield, through the middle, up top, literally anywhere that you need him to. And yeah. not and his 22 goals weren't weren't all from set pieces. Like a lot of them were from open play. Um, mm -hmm. I love this dude. And because he's Portuguese, I just see Nuno wanting to bring in this pork chop core. And I'm not even joking about that. Like, I genuinely mean Nuno no, has I just built a Portuguese dynasty at Wolves. 
I think that he's going to try to do at least one Portuguese player here one to bring signing. in, right? Which and and at the ten spot, I would prefer Pedro Gonçalves over over Indombele. And that kills me to say because I freaking love Ndombele. But here's my thing with him. So what do you do with him, though? Here, here's my thing with him. I don't think there's anything wrong with having him be like a, a rotating piece in the squad. Because as we know, depth is what's winning you titles here, right? City and Chelsea yeah. are, are going to continue winning because they're world-class all the way through. And Ndombele is a hell of a rotation piece. Um, I just don't know how well Ndombele will do in the, in the Nuno Espirito Santo system. And it pains me to say because he's a wonderful player where he has the liberated Paul Pogba offense that we love to see from him. But I don't know if he's going to have that on defense. And, and I think maybe there's, a version of this, concern, yeah. maybe there's a version of this team where, where Nuno brings in Sissoko as one of his center mids, you know, and then okay. plays in Dombele Cam. And then he, we have kind of that duo that we've spoken about before. The, the license. Right? But because I don't actually love Ndombele at the 10, I love him at an eight i think that what he does so well is not play the final spraying ball into the final third it's it's a transition carry the ball and and open up play which is so exciting to see and maybe you could argue that he could be that for where i have pianage you could argue that um i'm just concerned about his his defensive capabilities at the moment and i and you could say well what about pianage pianage i can kind of negate that because i know what pianage is going to do in terms of controlling the game Whereas I don't know that Ndombele is going to have that same kind of effect on the squad right away. Yeah, Pjanic also, I think for me, has a has a much higher football IQ. I think he, yeah. he's able to read the game a lot more. And that's and not an insult. And is therefore way more disciplined. No, it's yeah. not an insult. Like, it's like few players people, have a better IQ than, exactly. than, than Pjanic, yeah. I just think he works in a three much better than he would in a two. And that's why I was hesitant to put him in the midfield. Because I did also think about that. And it was a choice between him and Loselso because they kind of occupy similar spaces. But that's why I went with Los Elso in the middle is because I think he would work better as a two with Hoiber than Ndombele would. So I kind of let him roam forward. And I think if they want to bring in Sissoko for where, in, in for example, um, games where they might ha- might be sitting in, on the back foot, then bring in Sissoko instead of Los Elso, let Ndombele um, make the transition because yeah. you're going to be sitting deeper anyway. And and here's the thing. In a 4-3-3 version of this team, which I also have, I do have Ndombele and Pjanic as twin eights with Hoybier at okay. the base. Okay, so there's a version of the squad where I like him in because in an eight system, I would, I would 100% rather have him in the team. Okay? Here's my criticism of your team. Okay? Okay. Up to this point. It's too Tottenham. Like It's too much of the have, same. It's too much of the same, which is the problem for me. And this is why I went out and spent money intentionally because I think what we've seen from Spurs, and we haven't seen it from Nuno yet, and, and maybe that there's a new height that he can unlock. I'm, I'm sure there is. But let's be real here. Tottenham's team is only going to take them so far because we know what we can get out of these players. And even if they're all firing at their full potential, I still don't know if it's enough. I think if they want to actually take the next step, they have to bring in fresh faces and new talent to challenge each other and to to offer something different, which is why as much as I like the midfield trio that they have currently, which should be very, very good of La Celso and Dombele and Hoybier, I think it's too much it's too stagnant for what it already is. And what it already right. is, is Tottenham doing what they do. It's And they already have the best number nine in the world. Now they're going to lose the best number nine in the world, arguably. You want to say Lewandowski, fine. Trying to make a point here. <laughs> you know, 
I think it's it's not going to be enough. And that's why I'm like, you know what? If you bring in Pjanic, who we already know is like a proper world-class player, you know, maybe a few years ago more so than now, but we know what he can offer. And a Dorman's world-class player. Yeah, you know, yeah. like he can be a, a proper dude here. And Pedro, and Pedro Gonzalez, who's ascending, who is a goal scorer, who can make up hopefully for a lack of goals in the team, who provides energy and the Portuguese connection, which Nuno will already love. I just... It's like you might say, well, you know, they already have these players. What do you need to spend money for? I need to spend this Harry Kane money. Otherwise, why are you going to sell them? If you're going to rebuild the team, it has to be funding the the chance to be better than you were before. And to keep the same right. midfield three, I don't think does that. I I won't disagree with you. I actually do agree at, in, on some level. I think in order to refresh the team, you have to refresh the spine of the team because that is that they're going to be the solid part that won't move and, and then the rest will just be like jigsaw pieces. You can just complete the puzzle however you want to complete it. Right. I think for me, though, I wanted to address the the weaknesses, the obvious weaknesses that they have in the squad. Uh, like, for example, right back. And, and I know you went with Doherty as right wing back because he has played that under Nuno. Yeah. Uh, and and I, again, I won't criticize that, but I think I kind of wanted to get rid of Serge Aurier and right. you know, not get rid of him as in sell him, but from the first 11. Right. And that's why I brought in Dumfries. Uh, you know, obviously he wanted to address the center back issues and obviously they're going to be getting rid of, of Harry Kane in, in my kind of 11. So I also signed a striker. So I kind of wanted to go with the obvious um, replacements and the obvious weaknesses that they have mm. rather than refreshing the spine, which is something that I think is necessary, just not at this point. Okay, fair enough. That's fair. Uh, so let's move on to our to your top two, the the two strikers. Who is pairing Sun here? Because we know Sun is staying. Yeah, exactly. We know Sun's going to be there. Um, and the signing that I made, and I think you're going to like this one. It's Alexander Isak. I think. Ooh, I think he's way. too big. He's too big of a talent at the moment for Spurs, which is weird yeah. to say because he's 21. No, it's why he I got seventeen. You got 17 goals in. And I know it's because you want him at City, right? Like, no, oh, it's not even that. And I would love him at City. Let's not beat around the bush here. I would love him at City, but I just think he's way... T- I, like, when I said the caliber of player that Tottenham can attract, I think Isak is already, is already he's, looking He's out of it. And I agree of, with you. Of, and I agree with you. And I think that's why they would have to spend a little bit more money and kind pre-Euros, of... Pre-Euros, I agree. Break the bank. Post-Euros, yeah. I disagree. Post-Euros, Post-Euros, I don't think it's possible. Um, I think his I like Euros the added the $15 million, dollar, 15 oh, million euro valuation but it, it, to it. It not, only, it not only added the $15 million valuation to his name, it in took his him mind, to a new like, caliber yeah. of club that that could want him, right? I think that, yeah. that he, he's just too... Like, if he's looking at the next stage of his career, I think that he's properly looking at, like, a Champions League club, a perennial Champions League club, I might add. And I yeah. don't think Tottenham have that, even in their rebuild. Maybe in a few years, if Tottenham become like consistently like proper doing work, but that would, that's a, that's a really really tall order. Um, and 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 I, I don't I don't disagree. In fact, I agree with you. I just think that they're going to need a spark, and they're going to need someone to actually come in and say, "I start every week," although he's 21. And in order to, kind, they're obviously anyone that any team that loses Harry Kane is going to suffer a bit. But in order to at least hit the ground running with the season starting, I kind of wanted to make a a signing of his caliber, even though he might be a little bit higher than where Tottenham are at the moment. I think it's not unnatural and it's not unlikely to see him uh, still want to play, get minutes, rather than go to a Champions League level team that might already have a better striker than him or at least a more experienced striker and have to rotate between him uh, and that and that striker, right? So that's fair on that on that point. That's fair. 
Um, the person who I brought in to replace Kane, and this is a tall order, and I know anybody who's a Serie A fan listening to this one might have some opinions about this. I brought in uh, Duzan Vlahovic from Fiorentina okay. because this dude is like proper Edin Dzeko 2.0. Like I, he had 21 <laughs> goals. He's 21 years old, okay, born in the year 2000, okay? But he's already like 6'4", 6'5", okay? He's not super quick, but neither is Kane, right? 21 goals, three assists. His his goals that he scored exceeded his um his his expected goals per game, which I think is really really good. Um, and I kind of have paired him with Son because of this dynamic that they could offer. Now I'm not going to argue that Vlahovic is as good a long passer as Harry Kane is. I think Harry Kane is one of the best long passers in world football. Yeah, he's one of the best. Considering out there. he's a he's a he's a center forward, that's like an unbelievable shout for him. But I think Vlahovic can contribute to where Tottenham lack goals. And I think I've kind of replaced assists in this team already, right? So Pedro Gonzalez can can provide goals. We know that. He's the legal knowledge top scorer. Vlahovic was up there with the, with the Serie A top goal scorers, but he's very young, and I don't know if he's going to continue on this unbelievable form. I, I hope so for him, and I think he will. And I think that he's not necessarily as a big enough star in the Serie A to say – you know, no, I'm not going to go to Tottenham. I think he would get consistent minutes as the Kane replacement. And he would actually pair very nicely with Son as kind of the big guy, little guy, fast, slow, strong, a little bit weaker, you know, skilled and two-footed versus like big and left-footed, you know, version that, that Vlahovic is. I really like the dynamic that it offers. Um, yeah. Plus, you know, Vlahovic occupying so much space in the box, I think bodes really well for other players who can drift in. Um, mm-hmm. You know, Son is unbelievable coming off the left, but he's extremely two-footed. Pedro Gonzalez, I think, can, would love to drift in. Not to mention Doherty would, I think, love to just come in uh, and interject yeah. here if Lohovic is going to try to peel off. I think Lohovic will occupy a lot of space and occupy a lot of uh, minds, right? He'll, he will concern center backs, which I think leaves options open for other players to score as well. So even if he's not contributing directly with assists, he will be liberating people to, you know, to Making be a space. more unmarked. Yeah. Because he could command yeah. at least the respect of two center backs. Uh, but because he's only... I just think it's a tall order. It is a tall order. But the thing is, because he's young and he has such big boots to fill, I don't know if I want to put that on him. So I actually have a couple of other ones too. The The next person in contention who I would have brought in is uh, Otsen Eduard from Celtic. Who's that? Eduard from Celtic, bro. No, you know him. I know that's you know him. I don't know. Linked with Arsenal perennially, linked with uh, Leicester consistently. The dude is a hell of a player who has been scoring kind of, oh no, uh, my bad, who's kind of been scoring at similar rates that Musa Sissoko was earlier on in his career, okay? He's right-footed, he's 23, he's like 6'1", okay? He plays striker for for Celtic. Uh, Coming off of 16 goals uh, in the Scottish Premiership last year, coming off of 22-9 and the season before that in terms of goals and assists. 15-5 15-5 and five the season before that. He's quick. He's athletic. I think he can kind of be – he wouldn't offer the same dynamic duo that I, that I would like to see with Vlahovic and Son, but I think yeah. he would offer a lot of speed and a lot of energy and, and goal-scoring instinct, which I think is never a bad thing, all right? Now, the thing is I don't know if I would prefer to have him as secondary option to Vlahovic or to just say, fuck it, and go for a 4-3-3. Or excuse me, a three-four-three. Okay, because in that sense, okay. I'm thinking, okay, if I can't get, uh, 
you know, I, I would love to get Vlahovic as my striker, but if I can't and I play Pedro Gonzalez, who's not stranger to playing there, but he can play as kind of a center forward, then I can have somebody else playing off of a right wing spot, which is which opened up a world of options as well, especially under the Nuno uh, model. So I just think I know you have another one, but tell me. to stay on that point, yeah. I just think if you're going for that level of player, I might as well just go with Ivan Tony from Brentford. I think. Yeah, I thought you, about you that already too. Know, like Celtic, oftentimes the Scottish Premiership gets laughed at because it's not to the level of even the Championship, and some of the players actually do go to the Championship and look better there than they would in the Premier League. Mm. I just think that. If you're at that level already, you might as well go with Ivan Tony, who is now in the Premier League. He's got 33 goals in the Championship, and I, he would make a great squad player for Spurs. Hell I don't yeah. know if he would start. But, that, yeah. That's kind of my thing with it. I don't think Ivan Tony commands enough respect to, to walk in to the Tottenham team right away. I don't know if he's already a Champions League level player. Whereas Celtic, you know, they play there, right? And even if, if we haven't seen... I mean, in England, it's easy to say that the Championship are you know, producing the talent and, and they're already better than, uh, than, than abroad. And maybe that's true. Maybe you can make an argument that Ivan Tony's better than, than Otson Eduard. That's a hell of a discussion though. And I think because Eduard has been more consistently winning, okay. Playing a cha- in the champions league, right. Celtic are, are there, or at least the, you know, Europa league, he's already had exposure to higher levels of competition and has performed pretty somewhat admirably. Um, yeah. So I like Eduard to be playing, I think he he would be able to come in and not I mean nobody's going to replace Kane but I like the I like the ability to a little bit more than Ivan Tony even though Ivan Tony's set the world on fire in the championship but like I said if I'm not going to get But Vlahovic, I think that's necessary to actually be good in the in the Premier League you have to be outstanding in the championship or in the That's fair. or in the Scottish league so yeah. And and yeah, so I, I think this is just a, a discussion. And to me, it's kind of it's kind of fifty yeah. fifty. Yeah, you could go either way. With Vlahovic, the other thing is that he's a big man, and I know that Nuno Espirito Santo loves his big man, right? <laughs> Wants that big man up. That's top. true. Um, now, if I'm going to play a different version of this team that doesn't have a big man because I can't get Vlahovic, okay, then maybe I play Pedro Gonzalez on the right because he's very versatile. But maybe I play him through the middle, right? Maybe I play him as kind of like a center forward role because. I don't really want Sun to play leading the line. I really like Sun playing as a left winger in a front as a left winger or in a two strike system, right? Agreed. Um, so if I'm going to play Pedro Gonzalez just kind of my center forward, well, we had some options at right wing, don't we? And you, I know we you do. said you had a front three version as well. So do you want to tell me what your front three version of this team looked like? My front three version would just be take out Indo Belly from the cam, keep Son and Isaac the same, and then I, and then just play with either Bergwijn or Mora on the right. I don't think you need to make a signing there. Oh, you I didn't think make a signing? Dumfries, no, I think Dumfries will provide enough overlap and enough um, crosses from the right to warrant not making a signing on the right-hand side. See, I did decide to make a signing here because I think, like I said, investment in the project is very, very important. And I think Moore is not going to get better. He's already a good player, but he's not going to get better than he is. Bergvine has might get better, but he hasn't been the kind of impact guy that I think. I mean, he had a hell of an impact a few times, but he hasn't been the consistent right wing impression guy that they necessarily would have wanted. And I think under Nuno's system, he might prefer to have somebody a little bit more his style and and his style obviously was a did you sign a dama no i didn't i didn't i strongly considered it and i thought i thought to myself you know what let me think of what some other options might look like okay i really really like pedro neto 
Okay. And I think we've already seen him from Wolves too and what Nuno does with him. And I think he's a baller. And he played off the left as a left-footed uh, left winger. And you remember, I pitched him in my Atletico Madrid rebuild. I thought that he'd be perfect over there. Yeah, but did. it doesn't look like they're going to get away from Simeone, which means he's not going to go there. But I think he, because he's a left-footed winger, I think he might actually relish the opportunity to come into a Nuno system and be forced to play on the right. And the reason... Just to cut inside. Is I think he should add that element to his game, right? It's not often that we see like world-class wingers who play on the side of their strongest foot, right? In the modern game. Mo Salah does it on the right side and he's left-footed. So. Well, that's what yeah, I'm saying, I see what right? you mean. Like most of the world-class wingers that we think of, Ronaldo played left wing as a right-footed player. Eden Hazard played left wing as a right-footed player. Mo Salah is on the right wing, plays left-footed. Uh, Arjen Robin, Robin and Frank Ribery, right? Notoriously were playing on on their cut-in foot, basically, because they want yeah. to have that option to provide the overlap for the fullback or to get at and try to just get around the defender and then cut it back. Yeah. Um, so I really like Pedro Neto being able to add that element to his game, and I think he could do that. And if, you know, Nuno, I trust him to be able to adjust his team to say, okay, you know, maybe I've gone in the past with somebody who runs, the, you know, who runs the hell out of that side. But now I want to adopt my game a little more because I'm at a I'm at a better team. I have better players here that I can work with. So now I'm going to make this so that my fullback is providing overlap, and then my wingers can cut in. And to be honest, I think that that will probably bode better for Spurs in trying to become a perennial contender if they have that kind of style. Um, because I think most of the time in this modern game, and maybe you could make an argument that the most effective version of this team brings in Adama, and then he just crosses <laughs> it in for Vlahovic. And bro, I'm fine with that too. But the best version of the squad, as I see it, is my A team, which is to go out and get Vlahovic as one of your strikers and then play with Doherty playing off that side. And then you know what? You could even play Pedro Gonzalez. He's so versatile. He could play off the wing as well. He could. He's he is, kind of yes. in a free occupying space. Or say, you know what? Go get Adama and play in a 4-3-3 with Son, Vlahovic, and Adama. And bro, just cross the... If you know all, all attacks coming from the right side are going to be crosses... And now he has a very effective left winger in Son, who even if it crosses past Vlahovic, just switch it. You got Son at the yeah. back post, right? Son's super two foot. He could score exactly. So, um, and that's, so what, that's Tottenham's rebuild as I see it. What is your version of the team with Harry Kane in it? My version of the team with Harry Kane in it doesn't have very many signings because it's pretty much their current team, right? Like, I don't think they can afford to refinance the team that I've, no, that I've laid out here uh, without it. My version of the team with Kane still has Galini and Ned because they made that signing. I still think they can afford to bring in Botman. Uh, so I still think they, they should because they have to replace all the world. Botman, Romero, and then Dyer or Sanchez. The back three stays pretty much the same. Okay. And a midfield three. This is a, a three five two. 5 um, So it's Hoybier at the base with La Celso and Ndombele ahead of him. Reguilón yep. and Doherty on the wing. And then Son and Kane uh, stay up top. I don't, have, I don't have super impact signings here because I don't think they can make them if Kane stays there. But to be honest... Does that mean that the team is worse? Maybe not, right? No, I don't think so. With Harry Kane in You still address their weaknesses with their center backs, so I understand that. Right, and their midfield suddenly becomes, maybe you want to make it, you know, impact, and and for all the reasons I outlined throughout the show, why they should go out and get different midfielders. But if they keep Kane and they're able to play, and Nuno is able to kind of keep this squad together with Kane already as one of the elite nines in the world, then I don't think they need to make huge signings all over the place. I think they actually have a squad that they can work with and maybe what will hurt them then is the lack of quality in depth that I will fully concede. 
Yeah. Because if you're going to bring Absolutely. in some of these players, they're going to want to play. But on face value, this is a starting 11. Uh, you know, Golini, Botman, Romero, Dyer, Hoybier, Lacelso, and Dombele. And then uh, on wide, Reggion, Doherty, Son, and Kane up top. Like, bro, that's a hell of a squad, too. And I'm sure one I don't think Kane I don't think that, we would uh, actually Santos would love to play with. Yeah, I think we would actually rate this squad if we hadn't seen it do what it has done for the last three years. Yeah, you know what I mean? Exactly. But we haven't like, seen it do what we want to see under a specific type of manager, right? We've seen effective-ish results, but with hella conflict with Mourinho. And now we kind of have the antithesis of that, where we have super effective results, but with a, the calmest manager in the world. Like, Nuno is... Rid- but a rigid system. Yeah, and and one predicated on defense still, which I think will still be very effective in getting the job done. We don't know, cool right? Like score. we we have no idea what he can do um, when given the opportunity to use players of this caliber. And well, I don't think he'll abandon right? his philosophy. I still think he's predicated on defense, and I still think that he will be that guy who goes out and defends. Um, you know, because he wants to make sure he's protecting the lead. That's in his nature, and I don't I don't fault him for that. I think that's that probably works better for them as long as he gives the license to attack when they need to. And if they have Kane, then I don't yeah. think scoring will be a problem. Uh, and, and if they can shut teams out and score, then Tottenham can be really, really effective. And even if it's not the, the expansive free-flowing football that everybody wants to see every team play, that's not going to be Nuno's priority. It's going to be yeah. getting the most out of his team. And if he has Kane and he can't refinance the entire team, and, but he still has one of the best players in the world, I'm sure he'll take that. Absolutely. Absolutely. But that's kind of that's kind of all I got for today. So I think that's got to do it. I think so too, dude. Wow. TJW episode number 102, the Tottenham Hotspur rebuild. Hell of an episode, dude. I, I, I actually really enjoyed it. I don't think Daniel Levy's going to do any of this stuff. I'm interested to see what he's going to do to yeah, stay competitive. I don't think he's going to do any we'll of it I mean, but we've laid out the plan. Maybe we can tweet it at him. Like, hey, Dan, look, we did it he's for you. He's just going to see how many new names there are, and he's going to be like, how am I going to afford this? Yeah, he's going to be like, can't. Don't have no. the money. No money. Sorry. <laughs> um, now, what we'll do is, you know, we're going to have to record. Next week's episode is going to be fantasy must-haves ahead of the Premier, of the new Premier League season. Very, very excited for that one. I completed my fantasy team last night. And, man, as this league gets better and continues to bring in new talent, fantasy gets harder and harder because the price is, is so high for like, every player. Up. Players well, it's, it's just that even if it – like, even if you forget all that, just think of how many elite players play in the Premier League. Yeah. <laughs> it's so hard to, to fit them all into your team because they all cost the so much money. The top four teams usually have more than four. <laughs> so it's like, and you can only so pick much. three from each team. Yeah, so it's, it's exactly. And, then, and there's and, so much value in the bottom half. Like, let's not forget about that. Exactly. Like, who's going to be the superstar savior of some clubs? you got to have them in too, and they're usually a bit cheaper. But bro, fantasy is not cheap this year. Anyway, we'll break all that down next week. This has been episode number 102 of the Jersey Wall podcast. As always, I've been your host, Mr. Nathan Santos. You can find me on Instagram at the Nathan Santos. You can find the Jersey Wall podcast on Instagram at TJW Podcast. And find us everywhere else at Master Chef Nay, including on YouTube, where you can find special bonus clips of the Jersey Wall podcast, of Bro Talk, of other random nonsense that we throw up on there. Uh, Mina, where can we find you? Uh, on Instagram, you can find me on mina.gali98. And uh, on Twitter, I'll give you a follow back if you can find me, as always. Boom. The giveaway is coming, guys. We're still working on it. 
we're, we're, we're working <laughs> totally on it with the, uh, no, I remember it. It's just that we've been working on it with the, the company who's printing the merchandise. The supplier. Yeah. Uh, yeah, the supplier. Thank you. I forgot that word. That word escaped from my vocabulary for a second. So we will be posting the giveaway very, very soon. Um, and we're very, very excited for what's to come, guys. We have big things in the works. I'm telling you, Ray Hudson's going to come on the show. KJ's going to come on the show. We're going to have a sponsor soon. It's all looking up, bro. It's all it. looking up on the Jersey Wall Podcast. And we appreciate you, as always, for listening, for sharing, for being with us each and every week. I've been Nathan Santos. That is me, Nagali. And we will see you next week right here on the Jersey Wall Podcast, baby. Woo!